Unterricht in der großen Stadt. Es war in Wien, war Vienna, wo er alles tat. Er hatte Schulden, dann er träumt, doch ihn liebten alle Frauen. Und jede rief, na kann man rock mir Amadeus. Er war Superstar, er war populär, er war so exaltiert, die Kasse hatte Flair. Er war ein Virtuose, war ein Rock-Idol. Und alles rief, na kann man rock mir Amadeus. Hello everyone and welcome to Opera After Dark. Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. You're so excited. I am, so it's such it. a catchy song. It's good. So today, folks, we're going to talk about Mozart. Mozart. Wolf, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Everybody loves Mozart. He's amazing. Obviously, huge, important figure in, in all of music. Like, um, among the hugest and most important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, we're going to talk about... Well, I am going to talk <laughs> about a I'm very. React to it. No, I hope I hope so. This will be very dry. Uh-huh. Um, a very specific aspect of his personality. Um, but before we do that, Naomi, since you're the scholar in this group, <laughs> do you want to give us a little bit of the bare facts of the Mozart bio? Sure. Okay. Bare bones. Dates, highlights, all that jazz. Right. So he was born in 1756. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And in Salzburg, which is now in Austria, Salzburg yes. at this time is actually a separate kind of principality. So it's not part of the larger Habsburg Empire. It's ruled by the Archbishop of Salzburg. It's like its own city-state. Kind of, but Vienna at the time was part of the Habsburg Empire. And so it's it's just kind of this unique little area. Hmm. And... Because of this, the archbishop really ruled and had control over that area, and it had musical things, like Mozart's father was employed as a court musician in Salzburg, and Mozart was for part of his life, but the real music scene was happening in Vienna. And so at the time, Mozart viewed Salzburg as like this podunk salt mining town Mm -hmm. that he wanted to get away from because there was nothing interesting happening, right? Which is funny because now Salzburg is this huge cultural center in Austria, right? Right. Because of Mozart's legacy. Mm -hmm. But at the time, Mozart could not get away fast enough. And so we all know that he was a child prodigy. His father took him and Mozart and his sister, whose nickname was Narnroll, Narnroll, um, Rolls off the tongue. Right? Narnal. Um, Anna Maria, uh, nicknamed Narnal. He took the two of them, and actually the four of them, like the, their mother and Leopold and his two children, would travel around Europe. They went on several kind of trips and grand tours where he was basically showing them off as child prodigies. And mm. so Mozart would do all these kind of musical tricks, like he would play at the harpsichord with a blindfold on, or he would recite or play a, a melody from memory and that sort of thing. So he was just incredibly gifted, and he started composing from a super young age. Also, Anna Maria Narnal also composed at a super young age. But then there came a time where Leopold decided that it was time that Narnal go into you know more womanly 
mm-hmm. uh, pursuits like marriage and taking care of the home. And so she got left at home, as did Anna Maria. And um, if um, anybody watches Mozart in the Jungle, oh. which I recommend season three, I actually thought it was really, really great. This whole mm-hmm. um, plot point of the Mozarts features pretty heavily in the third season. And they, they are characters in it. Yes. Wow. I only wa- I watched like the first three episodes of season one. You got to power through because yeah. I really loved season three, but the others really? were kind of meh for me, but I really loved this season. I just had a hard time with like some of the musical inaccuracies. You're just going to have to get over it. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't get better <laughs> <laughs> with their ability to fake being musicians. Cont- <laughs> you mean Rodrigo doesn't become like a great conductor? A great conductor? No, like and some of the other musicians are not great at faking playing oh man right like how couldn't they just hire couldn't they just hire musicians to neither here nor there um (laughs) back to the real mozart so mozart becomes mozart can we just just because i'm curious yes what he started composing at age like eight right no i think age five yeah oh my god i mean his early compositions were not uh great incredibly great but like they're pretty stellar for a five-year-old that's five years old like imagine like if you picture in your mind a five-year-old right now who isn't mozart (laughs) you're picturing just like this like can talk right and like feed itself yeah but to be fair like his father was a musician and recognized his musical talent quite early Mm. so his father was like really pushing him along like talk about a hothouse kid like yeah. he was he was really really fed into this particular stage dad <laughs> yeah, yeah. stage dad mr mozart stage dad right his father was pretty like pretty successful as a musician he published a treatise on playing the violin because he was a really well known mm. violinist like he was pretty pretty successful what was and so wolfgang's he learned primary. violin at a very young age and also harpsichord at a young age. So his primary instrument are those two. Oh, those both two. of them. Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so basically what ends up happening is Mozart goes on these grand tours multiple times. As he becomes a teenager, he starts trying to get like an official position somewhere. In his travels, he's trying to secure himself some kind of job. And Leopold was like super, super... Uh, pro Mozart getting a solid position as a court musician mm-hmm. or composer somewhere, but Mozart was just not really successful in that particular pursuit, and so he ends up moving to Vienna and on his own and pursues the life of a kind of freelance composer, and he's really the first composer in history that was at all kind of remembered in history to make somewhat of a, of successful career as a freelancer. Um, And so he was looking for different commissions. He taught lessons to kind of keep the cash flow going. Mm -hmm. But he also took different commissions and especially was after opera commissions because he really, really wanted the position of an opera composer, like a court composer like Salieri, right? Had the position of Italian, of the court Mm -hmm. composer in Vienna. And, but Mozart was able to get commissions for other things, special projects. And also operas paid a lot better than any kind of other commission or post and so he moves to vienna while he's in vienna he's boarding with a family called the webers he's renting a room in their house uh he ends up falling in love first with aloysia weber and she's an opera singer uh, pretty successful at the time and she ends up sort of engaged to him but like nothing's really set and then while he's traveling she ends up marrying somebody else 
a painter. Mm-hmm. He comes back to Vienna, finds out she's married, and then a couple of years later, he ends up marrying her younger sister, Constanza. And by all accounts, they were it was a love match, even though he had this baggage with her other sister. Right. That's awkward. Yeah. Could you well, imagine? <laughs> right. like you have like a romance with the sister. She gets married, well, then you take the younger sister. He ends up, I think, with who he's supposed to be with. They're they're very devoted to each other, and so and they stay married his entire life. Granted, he dies not very long. He dies young. Yeah. He dies in 1791, and from some kind of like mysterious illness that scholars still argue about what it could possibly be. Theories range from being poisoned, although that's kind of debunked at this point. Hmm. Some people think it was a poisonous pork chop um, <laughs> that he ate at a party. Um, and there's all kinds of How other terrible. theories. He was always a pretty fragile individual, though. Like, he mm-hmm. was really sick several times, near mm. death several times as a child, contracting different fevers and such. Um, so he was never, like, in the peak of health. But you know what's he terrible? Lives, you know, into his 30s and... So after seeing recently the Amadeus film, yeah, I love that film so much. I like as I'm hearing all of this, like that's what I'm picturing is, is images from that film, right? Full in of inaccuracy, not yeah, historically exactly. accurate. That's what I was getting but at. So entertaining, sure, so entertaining. I'm sure it is just not the most accurate thing, right? So Mozart is it uh, obviously a giant, a giant, we a can, genius. He's written the most. Beautiful music. Right. We could talk about forever, I think, Mozart and everything that he's done. But I would like to address something that's... Um, more fitting for Opera After Dark. More fitting for Opera After Dark. Uh, sort of a less lofty uh, topic. Um, if you don't know, Mozart left uh, a lot of letters mm-hmm. behind him. And diary type things. And his wife sort of treasured them. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Are yes. still still available today, um, and there is a pretty famous one that uh, was sort of brought to light in around 2012 from a then 21 year old Mozart to his 19 year old cousin and sort of maybe love interest at the time. Definitely love interest at the time. Uh, Marianne, mm. also um, known as Basil. Basil. Yes, that's her nick- her nickname. Whatever, I don't know why. Um, so there are tons of snippets to choose from this letter out there, but nothing quite sums up Mozart's. Uh, sort of obsession with, like, dirty little perverted things. <laughs> as, <laughs> as well as when he told his cousin that he wanted to shit on her nose <laughs> and watch it drip down her chin. Oh. So Mozart was a dirty, dirty little pervert. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and I'm going to dedicate this entire episode to this topic. So if you don't want to listen... Isn't there, like, a scientific name for this? Oh, I'm going to get into okay, it. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm my gosh. Mozart and his love of... Feces. Feces? Yes. Um, so I'm going to... There's nothing sacred. There's really. nothing sacred. Well, I want to read uh, part of this letter to you in full right now. Oh, mm. man. Am I going to puke? No. Well, no. Okay. It's... Right. Stop it. All right. So it's a lot of poop. Tomorrow, <laughs> we'll speak freak sensibly with each other. A lot of his letters are full of these... Um, little rhyming couplets that don't make any sense. And like wordplay that he thought were super intelligent and witty, which they probably are. Mm. No. Things I must you tell a lot of, believe it you hardly can, but here tomorrow it already will you be well in the meantime. Oh, my ass. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, my ass burns like fire. <laughs> what on earth is the meaning of this? Maybe Muck wants to come out. Yes, yes, Muck, I know you, see you, taste you. And what's this? Is it possible? Ye gods, O oh ear of mine, are you deceiving me? No, it's true. What a long and melancholic sound. <laughs> <laughs> everybody loves everybody loves a poop joke. So even so, even Mozart. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so let's let's get into this a little bit more. <laughs> so the whole letter is is full of, of these sort of poop jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is not really all sort of just on you know twenty one year old Amadeus. <laughs> uh, one of these uh, rhyming couplets mm. is actually inspired by a rhyme that his mother, uh, Anna Maria, used on her <laughs> husband Leopold, also in correspondence. Um, in a book by this man named Philippe Sollers called Mysterious Mozart. He introduces Anna Maria's original rhyme with the explanation that the Mozarts in general wrote really strange things to each other. Oh my gosh. Was it an mm. entire family obsessed with poop? Please <laughs> tell me. Please. Yes. <laughs> but, no, I'll get into that in a second, but that was really typical in German culture at the time. I'll get into yes. that in a bit. Okay. What? Hold yourself together. Come on, Kat. <laughs> All right, so the book, this is this is the rhyme that she used to tell her husband at night. This is from the book. Adio, ben mio. Stay well in body and mind, and try to kiss your own behind. I wish you a good night. Shit in bed with all your might. It's already past one, so now you can make your own rhymes. That's it. <laughs> but why? What is it? Is there a meaning to shit in your bed tonight? No. It probably it's sounds just, great in the original German. It probably sounds amazing in German. Um, Ooh. I mean, German to, to shit is uh, scheissen. So. Uh, scheissen. Mm. And could, yeah, do you have a, you don't happen to have a German translation to you? I don't. Sadly, oh, I don't. Oh, my gosh. So the same genius that wrote um, one of my favorite operas, Marriage of Figaro, <laughs> Also wrote this uh, little gem of a song called Lech mir den Arsch, which translates to Lick Me in the Ass. He wrote it in 1782, and it's sort of a classical party ballad meant to be sung by six people at a time. Oh and when he sent gosh. the music to his publisher, the publisher was so shocked that he changed all the text to read, Let Us Be Glad. <laughs> um, and actually, there is a recording of this, so why don't we take this opportunity uh. to listen to this classical party ballad uh Lech mir den Arsch can we wait I want to do an introduction like if we were listening to like a classical music yeah radio no station. go for it what did, wait can I have the title one more time uh Lech mir den Arsch translation uh, lick me, in, lick the me ass. in the ass <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> okay let me let me cue it up first <laughs> up next we're listening to a wonderful little piece by Mozart uh, not many of you know it. It's one of his lesser-known works. Mm. Uh -huh. <laughs> Lick me in the ass. <laughs> Here it is. You're so proud of yourself. <laughs> Lick me in Arsch Ist das wahre Kreuz des Lebens? Das Brummen ist vergeben. 
tell you I have uh, sung in many a uh, men's choir and chorale that. and I am upset <laughs> that I that nobody was like hey we should there hey, is a should... version with with different words let us uh, be glad hey we should do we should do this lick me in the ass <laughs> I've done some really stupid shit <laughs> in a men's choir let me tell you but not but this no. <laughs> I just can't even. I'm like starting to get pained by the, <laughs> by the amount that I'm well, laughing. It was so popular that he did write a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> um, which trans- it. <laughs> it translates to "lick me in the ass, nice and clean." Um, and I don't know if we have a recording of that, but I can read you a translation of the lyrics if you would like. Please, please. Yes. Please. Okay. Mm. Let me know when you're okay. Yep, I'm all right. All right. Lick my ass nicely. Lick it nice and clean. Nice and clean. Lick my ass. It's not Shakespeare. That's a greasy desire. (laughs) Nicely buttered, like the licking of roast meat, my daily activity. Three will lick more than two. Come on, just try it. And And lick, lick, lick. Everybody lick his own ass himself. (laughs) okay so before i like completely defiled the memory of mozart and everyone has stopped listening um this is not that weird for the time period (laughs) how can that even be true well in the 18th century um it was a lot more public and a lot more mainstream to talk about this stuff. Um, huh. That would be like, you know, if like a mainstream popular artist 
regularly did like Weird Al parodies. Like, like Weird Al? Yeah, like, I mean, like Weird <laughs> Al, but I mean, like, if, you know, who's the biggest musical artist of today? Right? Drake. <laughs> the joke make sure you listen to epi- what is it episode 14 episode 14 <laughs> where we re- reference Drake. Okay. but can you imagine if drake came out with a song that was lick me in my ass i'm pretty sure that song exists oh, i mean he did have that one it up. not a drake song but call song. me on your cell phone I mean, hotline that's... bling is not a oh man okay so when, when I type in lick me in the and I don't write anything oh, else, no. face is the thing that comes up. Well, I think there's a lot of like puppy videos. Aww. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> Do you want to take a break <laughs> no, and watch no, a puppy no. video? I want to hear about how this was a regular thing <laughs> right, for well, Germans today, to do or for, everybody? For Germans to do. <laughs> Just for Germans. Um, well, today, this is known Austria, as scatology. It's a story that we study feces. German speaking folk. Yeah. Yes. And give us that scientific title again. Uh, scatology is the study of feces. Oh, um, so in at the in the 18th century, German language popular theater uh, was influenced a lot by the Italian Commedia dell'arte, and then emphasized. Um, all these different stock characters, one who was known as Hans Fust, mm-hmm. who was a coarse and robust character who would entertain his audience by pretending to eat large and unlikely objects oh. and then defecating them. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say eating feces. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, it's not Like he would eat like a whole cow or something. And then like pretend to eat a whole cow and then... Like have a giant shit on have stage. Have a giant shit on stage. <laughs> right. How do you stage that? I don't know. I want to see the conversation where they like this this well-known stage director and they're like, "Okay, and this is then when he takes a massive shit." And how I want the shit to happen is like this, this and this. Well, to talk about it sort of uh seriously. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm no. so sorry that I'm getting so uh, silly. This sort this uh, vulgarity of a uh, scatological popular theater was seen as a counterpoint to the very refined culture imposed from like high society at that time. Ah. One of Mozart's own letters describes aristocrats in these terms. He identifies the aristocrats present at a concert he did in Augsburg in 1777 as the Duchess Smackars, the Countess <laughs> Pleasurepisser, the Ooh. Princess Stinkmess, and the two princes Potbelly von Pigtail. Wow. Ooh. Is this like, so in referencing what I know, <laughs> the if we're going back to the movie Amadeus, mm-hmm. he has like, so he composes for the courts. And that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think, like, maybe it was the premiere of Don Giovanni happened at this more comedic. That's Magic Flute. Oh, Magic Flute. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Premiered mm-hmm. at, like, a more, yeah, it wasn't at the court. It was at, like. It was at the Teatro Underveen or Teatro Underveen, and I can't remember which one comes first. But it's basically the same theater, and it was, like, technically on, like, the outskirts of Vienna. Okay. So. So is this where these, like, shit works? Were, yeah, most likely. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you weren't seeing it in court. It was like a counterculture in the outskirts. 
It was like mm-hmm. the culture of the common people. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, a lot of uh, cultural anthropologists suggest that the entrance, the interest in this or the tolerance of these matters is a specific trait of German national culture. What? Only. Do they say and, why? Um, well, in German folklore... Oh, this is great. <laughs> One finds an inordinate number of texts concern concerning um, the phrase they use is anality. <laughs> <laughs> Grow up. Guys. Do we need to bring Freud back in? No, no, no. No. Okay. Um, uh, words like scheisse, dreck, mist, arsh, and other locutions are commonplace. That means shit, dirt, manure, and ass. Uh, folk songs, folk wow. tales, proverbs, all this sort of folk uh, dialect all attest to the Germans' long-standing special interest in this area of human activity. What about, is there any holdover into modern day? Do you know? Well, there are anthropologists that say that it's an obsession uh, that is retained to this day. I guess no one really knows why, but it's so much ingrained uh. in the culture and the folklore at this point. This is just like a thing. Well, I mean, like we, like you'll say, you know, as an expletive, you know, say shit. Mm-hmm. But you, I don't think people are actually thinking of feces. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they are in Germany when they say shit. That's what I'm saying. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, it's terrible. What? As an aside. Yes. I'm about to marry into a family chock full of Germans. Ooh. And I'm going to have a really hard time not bringing this up. You should bring it up. They're probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They all know that song. They're going to sing it at your wedding. Uh, I'll be at my wedding. So about the shit, you know? I've heard that you guys are really big into this. Well, so Mozart talks about this a lot in all of his letters, but this can also be found in the writings of um, such other luminaries of German culture as Goethe. Mm-hmm. Heinrich Heine and Martin Luther. Oh my gosh. For example, after printing the Bible, the next big, big project on Gutenberg's to do list was a laxative timetable called a purgation calendar. Oh. <laughs> apparently, that was number two. That's our number Oh, you're so proud of yourself. I didn't do it. I swear I didn't you do it on did purpose. You did do that on no, purpose. I mean, Give me a break. I was more so saying, like, okay, we, hey guys, we can print these books. So first, Bible. The Bible. Bible, come on. Right, right. That's first. Gutenberg Bible. Second, probably that laxative thing. Like, that's, everybody's all about that. The purgation calendar. People need it. (laughs) People need it. Uh, Martin Luther used to say, I resist the devil, and often it is with farts that I chase him away. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I want to tell you. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, If there there was ever, like, an advertisement for being Lutheran. It's a bad. Like, oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. That's Chase. what they say above the doors of all Lutheran churches. <laughs> Chase the devil away with your farts. With your farts. Oh, uh, there are some musicologists that claim that all of this talk of feces and all these little rhyming couplets and things are evidence that Mozart had Tourette syndrome. Oh. Um, that's been disproved. A number of times, but that was a really popular theory for a while, especially in the early 1990s. I feel like it would be pretty obvious if he had Tourette's. Like people, like... I don't uh, know. I mean, that wasn't a thing back then. It wasn't a recognizably yeah. mm-hmm. like, oh, this is Tourette's syndrome. Yeah, I guess that's true. But know. there would have been, you know, like, 
accounts, but, and then Mozart shouted. But I also feel like know. a lot of this stuff comes out in his personal correspondence. Like, mm-hmm. although he is known for having, like, quite the personality, like, he could still comport himself in an appropriate manner in court and in other yeah. situations. Like, he wasn't, you know, being banished from court from being mm-hmm. extremely lewd publicly. Right, absolutely. So I feel like the Tourette's whole theory would kind of rely on him just, like, shouting random things in the middle of very important yeah. situations mm-hmm. that would be, like, mm-hmm. inappropriate, and that mm-hmm. wasn't really the case. Although I guess in fairness, like, not everybody that has Tourette's, like, is always shouting. Sometimes it manifests in other ways. Right. <laughs> but I feel like to diagnose him as such, yeah. there would have to be, like, very Most public display of yeah, inappropriateness. Like, very irresponsible, which, I think, to Which was just not the case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, there was one historian who sat there and went through all of Mozart's letters and documented, um, he made this long list of all the letters that Mozart wrote that had mentions of shit in them. And then he nice. sort of uh, organized them as to who Mozart wrote those letters to. So if you're curious, he wrote um, 20 letters about shit to his father, six letters to his wife, Constanza, Six to his cousin, Maria Anna. Four to his sister, Maria Anna. Uh, one to his mother. One to both his mother and sister. Uh, and one to his friend, who was a priest. Um, and one to the choir master, Anton Stoll, for whom he wrote the Ave Verum Corpus. Nice. If you were curious. That's great. <laughs> you know what I love? Yes. Uh, thinking about. Poop. Is, oh, um... Sometimes? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so like somebody did like a lot of research so that you could have that <laughs> I know. statistic. I know. And for probably like a year or maybe probably. longer. Was well, like people, in Salzburg. Yes. And people looking through these letters. Yes, and people would say, like, oh yeah, what are you like what are you working on right now? <laughs> well, I'm i I'm doing an analysis on the writings of Mozart just to see, you know, how often he was writing about shit. <laughs> And they like very seriously. Had it's a to... big, big part of the culture. How? I guess I don't one hundred percent know why, but that that's just is part of the if culture you, there. If you go to the Mozart Wohnhaus uh, in Salzburg, oh, which love is to. Uh-huh. love to, so there's two residences in Salzburg that exist where the Mozarts lived. One is the Geburtshaus, which is where Mozart was born, and they lived there for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And that's on like the old side of the river in Salzburg. And then if you cross to the new side of the river. The Von House is there, which is like the bigger, more schmancy residence that they moved into once they had a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. And the last time I was there, when you're in the Von House, they have this room where it like shows you on the wall there were all these targets because a like fun pastime was like shooting stuff at a target. So either like pellet guns or, mm-hmm. or something of the equivalent, right? Mm-hmm. And all of the oh, many of the targets have like people with like their pants pulled down like showing their butts right and that's like the bullseye of the target so the the germans love butts it was part of the culture don't hate the player don't hate the game (laughs) what i I don't know i'm not mad all i'm saying is i'm not mad at them for liking butts well that's a a fun little history about german culture and a (laughs) fun little aspect about mozart's personality i still think he's great but yeah. He's great. I, is it weird that I like him even more? It's not weird. That's it's like, not weird. Should we I play think, something a little bit highbrow? 
from Mozart? No. no. I wanna, do we have a recording of the sequel to Lick Me in My Arsh? Nice and, nice and clean. clean. Nice and nice und clean. Nice und clean. Um, let's check. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I think it's just original sauce. Yeah. Hmm. Well, which we've already listened to, but in lieu of lick me in. In lieu of lick me in the ass, nice and clean. Um, Kyle, why don't you pick a a Mozart opera selection from Magic Flute? You love Magic Flute. I know. Flute. You know what? I re- I really like Papageno's deal like his first i guess it's his first aria i don't know what it's called yeah where he has the flute yeah yeah let's listen to that well if we're gonna play out to that then we should wrap things up all right we'll play out to that i'm elspeth and i'm sorry i'm kyle and i'm really happy that this happened because everybody needs to know this about mozart it makes him more of like a. we're all people yeah it makes him more relatable you know he's not just this like random old dude that you should play his music for your baby. Mm-hmm. T- to be fair, Mozart never got old. Uh, True. Dude from a long time ago. Died too young. Died too yeah. young. Yeah, so I'm Kyle. And I'm Naomi. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, are you? Do you feel Are you like upset? You're the Mozart I've, I've, I've known this for a long time, so it's, like, it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. He was a real person. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Do you, would you prefer to leave this part out and just remember the the elite things? No, because I feel like like the elite portrait of Mozart is only like a single story about him. It's mm. and I feel like he was more than that. You know, he was he, he multifaceted. Multifaceted. I can't talk. He was a multifaceted person and a like. A product of his time, culturally. This is part of his culture. You know what? Have some fun. His ass was on fire, as he would say. Oh, man. And on that note, let's listen to some flute. Yeah. Oh, but quickly. Yeah. uh, I can only imagine what's going to end up on the blog as a result of this episode. It's going to be that poop emoji. Yeah. (laughs) But make make sure you check it out at Uh operaafterdark.com. And maybe just leave a comment in iTunes about about how many times we say shit in one episode. (laughs) Right, I yeah, I, sorry. As long as there's five stars, you know, it's, <laughs> what can you do? We need, like, a counter for each person. We Well, that wouldn't be fair, because I feel like I'm the only one that curses in this. Shit, shit, There we Kyle, go. Kyle, are you no, trying to more. win? Yes. Oh. In any case, here is Papageno mm-hmm. in the Magic Flute. <laughs> That was so funny. Oh my gosh. 
My Did you friend, not know any of that? No. Really? My friend that loves this podcast is going to die. <laughs> How long is that? Can we do a shout out Actually to him? Actually going to die. It was like nearly 40 minutes. Oh. We can totally do a shout sweet. out. Sweet. What's his name? Taylor. Five, Taylor, we hope you love this episode. <laughs> we love you for being such a fan. Thank you, super fan. Super fan Taylor. <laughs> Um, not part of the Habsburg Empire, hmm. right? And so, wait. I have no idea, but this sounds good. Smart. Wicked smart. You was smart. You was kind. No. You was important. (laughs) Wait. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I think that was good. Let's listen to it. 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 Let's list